Go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of Hebrews. Uh, If you're not familiar with that, it's in the New Testament, not too far in. You can find it there. Bibles are handy. Uh, You can look up the book of contents. If you have a device, all you have to do is scroll down until it hits Hebrews, right? Um, If you have a physical Bible, there's this fun trick. Um, I was taught by a pastor once where if if it's a normal Bible... Flip it to the very center, and usually you'll land at Psalms. Take that last half, do the exact same thing, and usually you'll land at Matthew. So like almost the last fourth of your physical Bible is usually just New Testament. So that's a very interesting way to find at least the New Testament, if not Hebrews. Oh, good, I didn't lose my spot. Great. So Hebrews... And uh, Hebrews 11 specifically is what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be continuing our series called Faith Basics. And uh, one thing, though, occurred to me this last week. We, we all talked last week about, uh, sorry, everything that we talked about last week, which was a lot, and everything that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, believe it or not, is pointless. It's pointless until you embrace faith itself. You can't fully get into the basics of faith and trust in them and believe in them because faith is not just a structure of religious practices. Faith is not the manual of the Church of the Nazarene. Faith is believing in what you do not see, what you hope for. Fun little tidbit. This is sign language for hope. I don't, it's, it's always been a fun little um, thing where it's like it's kind of up here. It's in your head. It's, it's a little bit off. You don't see it too much. Hope. What you trust in. That's faith. All the other basics, they can be tossed out the window if you don't have faith. So we need to talk about faith before we move on. We need to talk about faith itself. Um, So Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It's a grand retelling of the heroes of the history of the Israelites and even before them. But it is framed in such a way to highlight a few things. It frames who they were, of course, identifying them as if the audience didn't know who these people were. Oh, who's Abel? I don't know. Who's who's Abraham? Uh, No, no, no. They knew who they were. But it tells us that. It tells us what they believed without seeing, what they believed in without seeing. And it told us what the result was of doing so, okay? Let's first look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. Always good to start at the beginning of the chapter. It says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Um, The New Living Translation puts it this way, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. The reality of what we hope for. It's the truth that is truth. And the funny thing about this is that it's truth even if we don't believe in it. But when we do believe in it without seeing it, that's what faith looks like. So let's look at these, these things, um, these different 
evidence or assurances of things unseen. That's your number one when you fill in the blanks here. Um, what are these, the person, the unseen thing, and the result? Well, the first thing we've got here is, of course, we've got Abel. And in uh, verse 4 of Hebrews 11, says this, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. So Abel, Abel had faith that his offering was better, or that his offering was actually going to be accepted by God, that God would accept it, that it was a good offering, a better offering maybe even than his brothers. I don't know that he even factored that in, but at least it was going to be accepted by God. He believed God was worthy of his offering. So acceptance, and that first fill in the blank there in this thing, of his offering. Now, and, and if you look at Genesis 4, verses, uh, the last part of verse 4, it says that it was the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. That was the offering that he gave. Let's go to verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I don't know about you, but that kind of sounds good, being, being taken instead of having to die. But Enoch, what was unseen, was that he pleased God. Now, I don't know if he had confidence that he pleased God, but how would he know for sure? So the unseen thing that he did and that existed was that he pleased God. And what happened was is that he was taken without death. You can write that in. If you want to fill these in loose leaf in your little notes, you can. I kind of left space for that. Um, but he was taken without death. Now, Noah is an interesting one, of course. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. He even calls it out here. It's kind of interesting. And that not yet seen thing was, of course, the flood, Right? Warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So Noah couldn't see it, but he believed God when he said, Hey, there's a flood coming. What's a flood? It's a flood, Noah. Oh, okay, okay. I, I'll, build, I'll build a thing. I'll build an ark. Okay. And he saved through that act of his family, not his faith. <laughs> family. He saved his family. Now, we looked at this a little bit during Sunday school. But Abraham, we skip down to verse 8. Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 9, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham 
couldn't see it. The unseen thing was his future home. His, his legacy, his, his life, his country of his own. He didn't see it. But he believed it. He believed in God. And he made his home and his family ready to be there. Even though he was, as we learned in Sunday school today, he was still a foreigner in that land and lived there for all of his days as such. And interestingly enough, the Hebrews even brings in Sarah into this, Abraham's wife. Sarah gets, gets in on this faith thing. It says in Hebrews 11, 11, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Now the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews paints a much nicer picture than uh, what we see and read in Genesis, right? As the Old Testament records, she laughs when she heard the news that she was going to have a child. She laughed, and that's kind of how her son got his name. But somewhere down the line, this became the view and the observation of the Hebrews writer. Even though she thought it was a funny thing and she giggled about it. <laughs> Even though she thought it was so funny, she still hoped and believed. And then she had a son. So she believed. She couldn't see it, but it was the promise of God. And she received a son. The promise of God. Now, I skipped over a verse, maybe you picked up on it, right after Enoch, talking about pleasing God. The verse is verse 6, and it is this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So to please God, you must believe God and seek God. Believing God and seeking Him are essential to pleasing Him. I want to read, I don't really usually read out of this version, but it's, I found it very interesting. It's called the Amplified Bible. Um, it's good for study because what it does, it gives you a bit of context. If you, don't have, you don't have a bunch of commentaries or whatever, but essentially when you see brackets in the Amplified Bible, it's not somebody making something up, it's somebody taking the commentary that they would normally put in a separate commentary and throwing it in context to the verse itself, working it in. So what we have here is, and so I'll do these little fun brackets with my hands here as we go, but you have it there in your, in your outline. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him for whoever comes near to God must increasingly, or excuse me, necessarily, I made that word up, necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Um, try as we may, as we illustrated last week, we can't, with the drawing of the chasm of sin that's between us and God, we can't jump high enough, we can't run fast enough, we can't use things to propel us toward God. Hebrews says that we must believe he exists, and he doesn't just stop there. Because, of course, we know in the New Testament, we're told that even demons believe God exists and shudder. But he doesn't stop with just there. He says, and 
that God rewards those who diligently seek him. Seeking him. This whole believe part, though, let's back up to that. Believe God exists. Believe in God. It reminds me of the B in the ABCs of salvation. Maybe you've not heard of the ABCs of salvation. I hope you have. But I want to walk you through this so I give you a little bit of context here. It does start off with A because, of course, the first letter of the alphabet is A. And A starts with admit. Admit that you're a sinner. I am a sinner. Uh, and, And you can't really, you can't honestly pursue help of any kind if you don't think that you need it. And so you can't pursue help in this whole salvation thing, this sin, with ignoring the fact that you're a sinner. You've got to recognize that you're a sinner, and that is the first step toward salvation. Now let's look at B, believe. Believe Jesus died for my sins, and I ask for forgiveness. I accept his gift of salvation. I believe he saves me now. So important. I believe he saves me, saves me now. And then the, conf- then the C, confess. Now, I, I read one that says, confess your sins. And we've already covered that in the admit part. But this is confess your faith. Bring it up before others. Tell them what God has done in your life, how he has changed you. Those, that's, the, that's the movement of salvation. It moves us towards leading others towards God and salvation. But it's that B in believe I want to look at here for a moment. It's the trust in something that you haven't seen, but yet you believe in faith. It's essential. Otherwise, here's what it looks like, just just so I can be a little smarmy here, but it looks like this. Okay, I admit I'm a sinner. Um, I'm kind of trying some stuff to fix that, okay? I'm trying to fix that sin problem. I'm trying some stuff. I hope one of those things works. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if any of that's changed my life yet, but I'll get back to you when it does. That's what it looks like for the ABCs of the kind of salvation, right? That kind of belief, it's like trying different diets to see which one works. The hardest part about diets, especially when you do find one that works, is sticking with it. Okay, Um, that's what we're doing when we try to fit anything else into the spot where belief in Jesus lives. Belief in that he died for our sins and that he saves us right then and there. We are, otherwise we're just rolling the dice and hoping for the best. Leaving it up to luck. Leaving it up to the universe to sort all the things out. We're not placing our trust in anything or anyone. We're rolling the dice and taking a chance. So this pleasing God's important because it, it comes from believing and it comes from seeking. And so I want to kind of reframe what we did here because it shows up in a different way. So not just the unseen thing and the result, but, but also the person, how they believed and how they sought God through that belief. So let's look at more examples. Did you know, I mean, if you look at the entire chapter, you'll see there's so many examples of faith, hence why we call it the Hall of Faith. We have big names towards the end, Samson, David, and Samuel. But let's once again look at Abraham in verses 17 through 19. 
It says this, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would even raise the dead, could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So Abraham believed God. He believed God existed and was living and active. He believed he wasn't going crazy when he heard the words of and direction straight from God, even though maybe his wife did. I, remember, I, I did a, a play, a, a short uh, play a number of years ago, and there's just this funny interchange between, uh, between the two of them, and, and she just thinks he is going bonkers, that he's going to go sacrifice his child to Molech or something like that. And Abraham's like, no, I really heard from God. This is true. Okay, uh, and I got to go right now. Uh, and it's, it's, it's crazy, but... He didn't believe he was crazy. He followed and trusted in God. He acted on his faith. He sought God through his obedience. He sought God through his obedience. He went to sacrifice his only son, believing, as the Hebrew writers points out, that he believed God would resurrect Isaac. Believe God could do that. How else is he going to fulfill the promise? And God is not going to go back on his promise. So there are several other examples of Joseph and Moses and others. But let's skip down to verse 29 and see how a a general group of people, the Israelites, believed and sought God. How they trusted him by faith. Verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Now, Raise your hand if you've ever been to an aquarium before. And I don't mean that little glass box you have in your house with fish in it. I mean an aquarium, like dolphins. Oh, that's, yeah, that's crazy. But dolphins and fish and, yeah, aquariums, right? Um, my family and I went to Jinx, Oklahoma once to the Oklahoma Aquarium. Had lots of cool things. Stingrays that you could touch without getting stung. Um, sea turtles, shrimp, uh, starfish, Octopus, that was very entertaining. But one of the highlights of the aquarium is the shark exhibit. Oh, yeah. It's at the very end. So it's like the last exhibit before you double back. So they really wanted you to have to go all the way to the end to see this really cool thing. This shark exhibit at that aquarium houses the world's largest collection of bull sharks. And they are some of the most deadly sharks, believe it or not. But this is not just a tank that you walk around, kind of like your fish tank in your house if you had one. But this is, a, this is a tank that you actually get to walk through. You see, it has one of those tunnels that goes through the very bottom of the shark tank, encased in a tube of glass. Sure, there's a big viewing platform at the very beginning, but to really get the real experience of this shark exhibit, You've got to go through that glass tunnel and all the way through. It was, it was pretty neat. We're watching all kinds of, uh, all these sharks going around. And yeah, that was, they were the whole thing. It was great. Now, I didn't know it, 
But when I walked through that tunnel, I actually had faith in something. I had faith that the glass wouldn't break. And sharks wouldn't come down and have a munch or two on me and my family when we walked through that tunnel. I had faith in the engineers who designed and the workers who built it. I showed that faith by walking down the tunnel. I imagine something similar to those crossing the Red Sea. Moses was holding up his staff. He was following directions by faith, but the people could have been all wiped out that day, just as the Egyptians were when they tried to cross over after them. The Israelites showed that they sought God by stepping out into the place where the Red Sea had been. They were seeking God. They were trusting in him. They were putting all their faith and belief in him by just stepping out on that ground. Let's look at number uh, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. If you don't know the story, here's a summary. Joshua, who was the leader after Moses, Joshua and the Israelites were given some very strange battle plans by God. March around Jericho once a day for six days. Don't shout, don't play horns, don't threaten anybody. On the seventh day, march around that place seven times. At the end, blow your trumpets, shout at the conclusion of that last lap. And what did they do? They did it. They believed. They were seeking God to do the impossible, which was they were told and believed that God would deliver the city to them. They couldn't have taken it by storm. They couldn't have sieged it at that point in their history. They weren't ready for that. They were seeking God to do the impossible and the city of Jericho would be delivered into their hands. They couldn't have done it without faith. They believed God would deliver Jericho into their hands and they sought God through obeying their literal marching orders. Obeying their literal marching orders. How does this look for you and me? I like to think of everyday faith. What does is, what is your basic faith look like? And I, I gave the demonstration of the, of the shark tunnel, but we have faith in very simple things, don't we? And one of the best tangible um, demonstrations I have ever experienced, and you can use this too if you want to share this with somebody else, is this. This is a stool, generally used for sitting, right? And I can investigate this stool, look at it, see if it's see if it's sturdy. Maybe push a little bit on it, kick it like people do with tires. I still don't know why that helps, but <laughs> you can do all those things. You can have seen other people sit in similar stools to give you some insight. You can research the history of this stool. And learn more about it. You know, who bought the stool? Where did it come from? What are the materials that it's made out of? You can learn all that information. But it comes down to one thing. This one question. When I sit on that stool, will it hold me up? When I sit on that stool, will it hold me up? I've asked Dustin to help volunteer. <laughs> I've, I've volunteered Dustin. I asked him to help me with this um, 
Dustin, if you just stand to that side of the stool, don't sit in it right now, and then face our friends that direction, I'd appreciate it. Um, Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. It might be very clear what I'm going to ask you to do, but which is to sit in the stool if you'd like to in a moment, okay? But I know you probably would not want to fall and have everybody laugh at you, correct? Generally, that's frowned upon, especially in church, right? But you also don't know if I've messed with the stool before you got to church, do you? Right. Right. You don't know if I've loosened some of the, the pieces so that at just the right moment it'll collapse. You don't know that. Right. You don't know. It could be wobbly or it could be very sturdy. Right. The interesting thing is, is that you will never know any of that until you sit down. Right. You'll never know for sure until you put your whole weight on this stool to see if it'll hold you up, correct? Right. Okay. So perhaps you've, have you seen other people sit in similar stools before? Yeah. Yeah? And, and what happens with them? Do they, does it stay upright? Yeah. Have you seen anybody fall over in, on, on a stool like that maybe before? Unless they were drunk. Okay. <laughs> that is a commercial for that. Okay. <laughs> so... I mean, when I see other people sit in stools, it kind of reminds me of that hall of faith we just read about Hebrews. We can, we can learn all about their faith or them sitting in stools, so to speak. But until we actually sit down, it's not our faith. And so I want to ask you to consider, and when you're ready, go ahead and face our friends and sit down in the stool. Sit down on the stool. Everybody's holding their breath. Okay, you can breathe. Okay, okay. Stool stays in one piece is what my notes say. Okay, good. Okay. Now, let me read this again. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Though you couldn't, Dustin, know for sure what the stool would do, you hoped it would hold you up and that you'd be able to sit on it, right? Right. You had enough confidence in that hope that you sat down and risked falling. Now, I want you to go ahead and stand up one more time for me, okay? Standing up. Okay. Now go ahead and sit back down. Now, did you believe that it would hold you up? Yeah. Why? Because it was sturdy. Because you had already done it and it was sturdy the first time? Yeah. Yeah. You, You had already experienced the stool's faithfulness. When you put your full trust and weight in it already, right? Right. And you could do it again, right? right? Okay. Thank you for your help. Let's give our volunteer a big round of applause. Thank you, Dustin. Turn your seat. That's over there. Nope. I got it. I got it. I need it. It's an object lesson for the rest of the message. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) He wants to take his faith with him. It's one of my house stools. Uh, (laughs) So, what... (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. What's, what's this have to do with the other faith basics? I want to wrap this back around to how we started today. What does this have to do with the other faith basics? Well, without faith, without actually sitting down in a stool, without trusting in God, his word, how he's revealed himself throughout history, all you're left with is what? Doubt. 
And doubt that never seems to get resolved. There's nothing wrong with doubting. That's why we help folks work through those things. But if all you're surrounded in is doubt, you're never sitting down in the chair, never sitting down in the stool. You might even doubt the most basic things about the Christian faith. And so we needed to address this very important topic of faith. Put your whole trust in something that you can't see. Now, we could see the stool, but we wouldn't know for sure if it would hold up our weight. But we're hopeful that it would. Do you want to be free? Free from whatever it is that's pulling you down? Some people, you want to be free from addiction? Well, here's what happens. You have to start with believing that freedom from addiction is possible. There are far too many people wandering around, continuing on their addictions because they don't think there's any other way. Destructive relationships. Oh, there's no hope. There's no way. I don't believe. What about, what about uh, worries? Do you enjoy being stressed and terrified all the time? Or do you want to live in a state of calm, peace, shalom? You've got to have faith that any of that is possible. No matter what anyone else pursues in life, they must have faith that it is pursuable. It's possible. Or else, guess what? They wouldn't pursue it. It would be silly. They'd just be doing things, rolling the dice, trying something new. But what about God? Do you have faith that he loves you? That his son died for you? To fix the sin problem that we talked about last week? Do you trust God's word? These are the questions. But we have two choices, right? We can stand there looking at at that faith and go, I wonder if that'll hold me up. I wonder if God will hold me up. Will he be there when I need him? I'm just not sure. Might collapse. I'm not sure. And you just stand there and you twiddle your thumbs. Or the other choice is just to simply sit down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day. We thank you that no matter what the little pieces that we're going to be learning about faith and the Christian faith down, down the line, it all comes back to Believing in what we can't see. Trusting in what we hope for. But it's not just a wishing on a star or things like that or we see in cartoons. But it is truly knowing from you in our hearts and trusting in you, God. We can put our whole weight, our whole life in your hands and we are safe. We could risk everything, every worldly possession, every relationship that we have. If you call us to get up and go, if you tell us to say that thing, we shouldn't be afraid. We're putting our whole faith and trust in you. Putting our whole weight. All our eggs are in your basket. Whatever analogy I want to use, God, it works, God, because that's what we're talking about. We need to lean on you to where we can't be supported by anything else. We trust in you today. 
I pray that you would help us as we move forward the coming weeks and talk about the very basics, the core beliefs of Christianity. That it all comes back to the fact that we cannot even understand them if we're not willing to believe in things that we cannot see. Jesus, you said to your disciples who believed after you were resurrected, it's better. Yeah, it's good that you guys believe now. You've seen me. You've, you've, touched, you've touched me and you know I'm real. But it's better for those who come later who will believe, but they haven't even seen. That's the generation. That's the people that we are living in right now. And we are grateful for that faith. And I pray that you would help us to rely fully on you and trust in you, just as those in Hebrews 11 did in the past. We love you, Jesus. As we move forward as a church, help us to trust and put all of our faith in you. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace.